Welcome to the True North Podcast. This podcast is about navigating through today's culture in the direction that lands at the heart of God. Let's go! You know, when you, everybody, everybody goes through something in life, amen? Everybody goes through something in life, whether it's physical or mental, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, whatever it is. I mean, uh, the Bible clearly says in the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes and Proverbs, but it talks about how there is a season for everything. There's going to be a high. There is going to be a low. It's going to rain on the just and unjust. But it's, it's, so, it's so easy for us to fall into the temptation of the enemy when something happens to us or when something doesn't go our way or when we are held you know, without something, instantly we're like, God, why me? Amen. Anybody ever been there before? Instantly when the, when, the, when the bottom falls out, when the car don't start, or, or when the prices go up, or when the money is, we're instantly, God, I thought you said I was the redeemer of the Lord. You know, I'm supposed to be the head, not the tail. Lord is looking like a tail. It's like a tail season right now, Lord. I thought you said I was the head, not the tail. What's going on? You know, I had, I had I'll, I'll share this this morning. But yesterday, I remember um, driving to work, and it's pouring the rain. For those that saw yesterday, it rained. Not only did it rain, it rained, and it rained, and it rained. So yesterday morning, it's dark, and I'm, you know, I'm driving to work, and I'm like, oh, man, you know, I forgot to add some transmission fluid to my car. And normally what I do is I'll do it at the post office while I'm loading my packages and stuff, and, you know, kill two birds with one stone or bless two birds with one stone, depending on what side of the spectrum you fall on. But uh, I'm like, man, you know, I'm thinking as I'm driving, I'm like, that means I'm going to have to do this in the rain with all the water just pouring on my head. So I'm like, oh, I have an idea, you know, pulling a, a you know, Gorski's is out that way. So I'm like, you know, what? I'm going to pull on the Gorski's, you know, add the fluid in there, check it, make sure everything good because I still got plenty of time and then go on to work. So I do all that, feeling pretty good, start the car. And I was like, oh, no, Lord. No, 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 cart. Come on. We, we got to get to work. Start again, though. You know, then then I'm like, all right, let's let's apply faith, Lizzie. So you know, start praying, start it, turn it over, nothing, turn it over, nothing, turn it over. I'm like, all right, Lord. Hey, you know, I I told Kelsey about ten minutes later, ten minutes of me doing this because I went inside, asked the store owner, like, hey, you know, maybe it needs a jump. I don't know. You you got? Can we jump it off? He's like, my car is electric. I'm like, I walk out. I'm like, why do you have electric car in Henderson County? Okay, this ain't Jackson, this ain't Memphis, ain't that? This is Lexington. You don't need no electric cars in Lexington. You need gasoline. Like, there's still people that ride horses to the drive-thru at McDonald's. Okay, I know. All right, you don't need no electric car. You don't need it, brother. All right, go on, get, just go on, get. That's what I want to be like. Just go on, get. And uh, after 10 minutes of this, I, I told Kelsey, I was like, I hit the steering wheel. I'm like, God, whatever you need to do to make this thing, like, whatever needs to connect, all the fires need to connect, all the, everything just, I need it to go so I get to work. Ooh, I was like, all right, so I'm, I'm flooring it in the range of, and as, you know, as I'm driving, I'm like, Lord, really? You know, I'm complaining. I'm going through my list of complaints. Like, you know, I need to be at work. So, so I'm going to be at work. This could be, you know, it's the beginning of the month. So that means all these particular magazines, my, you know, I need to be there early. I'm like, why of all days, Lord? Why of all days? And as I'm driving, there's the huddle, the subtle whispers of the Holy Spirit. What makes you think I did this? I'm like, you're right, Lord. In your word, it does say all your gifts are good and perfect. So this isn't you. That's right, it's not me. Okay. And a lot of times, a lot of times in life, it's the sum of our decisions, isn't it? 
Yep. Okay, Lord. Thank you for that peace. Thank you for settling it. And I say that to remind us that a lot of times we blame, we, 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 we love to, we would, we would say, I don't love to blame the Lord, but we love to blame the Lord or we love to blame the devil. You know, if something goes bad when a lot of times it's just some of our decisions or it's just, it's just life. It's how life happens. You know, the Bible says that it rains on the just and unjust. But I posted last week, <clears throat> you know, that obviously all of us, not just us in this room, but everybody in the world is going through something. Now, whether it's going through something currently, just got delivered from something or about to face something. And that something could be something overwhelming. It could be something that frustrates us. It could be something that annoys us. It could be something that scares us or it could be something that embarrasses us. But I posted this question on social media. I said, what do you desire in life? Because I was thinking, though, that I was like, you know, all these different things. We have our, our wish list. We have our if you won the lotto, you know, list. If, if somebody blessed you with the lotto, let's put it that way, quotations. We have that list of, you know, oh, I, you know, I, I give my, you know, I give. <laughs> I, th- I think I had this played out in my head. You know, I give an honor to God. I give my first tenth, you know, to the Lord. Hallelujah. And then, you know, pay, and it's, you know, we, you know, we take care of the particulars, pay the car off, pay the house off, pay mom and daddy's house off, pay so-and-so's house off. And then, you know, then disappear. You know, you won't see me, you won't find me, I'll be gone. Disappear. You know, we have all those lists of as if, you know, what would happen when we got, when we got that. But what is your true desire? Amen. And I post this, what's your desire in life? And ultimately, a lot of people actually commented. And, you know, as I was looking through the comments, because my, you know, detectives like mine or just mine that likes just to, you know, really dig in and, and understand like the whys behind people around different things. But ultimately, um, the Lord helped me. But a lot of these answers actually fell under certain categories. One would be communion. What most people desire and they don't realize it is communion, commission, food. I liked it when somebody commented on there saying tacos and I was like, yeah, I desire those too. I desire tacos too. But one of the things that we as humanity, we desire is food. We desire family. We desire contentment and happiness, peace and purpose. Somebody say purpose. Purpose. And when I was listening to all these things, I was like, wow, these are these, you know, these are different things. But ultimately, they all have one thing in common, and that is Jesus, because at the core of it, Jesus is all things and more. Amen. Jesus is all things and more. In Matthew chapter 16, in verses 13 through 15, we'll read it in the Passion Translation this morning. <clears throat> but Jesus begins to talk about, he begins to, uh, he, he sets them up as you turn there. He, he sets the disciples up. I love it because he's the ultimate setup and delivery of the punchline. But what did you say? Matthew 16, 13 through 15. <clears throat> but he's the ultimate setter-upper, punchliner. Deliverer, but somebody say Jesus is all things. So in verse thirteen, when Jesus came to Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples this question: What are the people saying about me, the Son of Man? Who do they believe I am? They answered: Some are convinced you are John the Baptizer; others say you are Elijah reincarnated, or Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But you. Jesus says, but you, who do you say that I am? Jesus asked. If you don't mind, do verse 16 too. That was my bad. Simon Peter spoke up and said, you are the anointed one, the son of the living God. Amen. Amen. 
So we, you probably heard the story before, probably read it before, but ultimately the disciples, you know, when Jesus asked the disciples, what are people saying about me? The son of man, who do you believe I am? The disciples answered him with the speculations of the world, the speculations of society. Now, Jesus wasn't just asking about popular opinion. He wasn't asking about the people's opinion of him in order to, to survey his poll numbers. You know, we're in the, you know, the election is what, tomorrow or Tuesday or something like that. So I don't know if you've got it, but, you know, in the mail, you've probably seen all the political flyers. If you're watching the news, you see all the political commercials. You know, everybody, they, they're making sure they get their name out there. We had this running joke yesterday at work where there is at least four, uh, four people running for different spots. And so they had all there. And the way it works is, you know, if somebody's campaigning, what they do to be smart, in case you don't watch TV, you know, in case you don't have satellite cable, everybody, you know, every, every living resident has a mailbox. So what they do is they sign up for these uh, mailers. And it's a great idea for them. It's not so much fun for us because then, you know, we're, you know, we're literally putting, I had one guy say, I don't want that. I'm like, I, I know, sir, but it's got your name on it. And it's got your ass, so you have to take his site. But what, I'm, what if I throw it away? I'm like, that's your, you know, that's your prerogative. It is what it is. He's like, oh, I'm not even voting for them. Do you know what they do? I'm like, I don't. I say, all I know is it has your name on it. So it goes to you. But, you know, Jesus wasn't surveying the crowd to ask, you know, who do people say that I am in order to see what his poll numbers were, in order to see how everybody felt about him. Ultimately, Jesus, he, he, when he asked the disciples, who do people say he were or who he is, he flips the question in order to get to the true heart of the matter. Verse 15 literally said, but you, Jesus said, but you, who do you say that I am? And then verse 16, Peter spoke and said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Amen. Amen. I love this because, like I said, he didn't ask to, to survey poll numbers. Jesus never cared about other people's opinions of him. In his defense, watch this, in his defense, the opinions of others didn't determine his worth. The, the opinions of society, the opinions of all those around him, it never determined his worth. He knew who he was. He knew he was the one that when John the baptizer brought him out of the water, the Bible says that the, the spirit descended on him like a dove, and we heard God's voice say, this is my beloved son, who I am well pleased. You ever been well pleased with something? You ever gone to a restaurant, you was well pleased with your meal? Oh, you couldn't stop talking about it. You probably took a picture and posted about it. You went to work the next day. Man, shoo. what y'all want to eat for lunch? Oh, no, oh, I wish I could get that one meal again from that one restaurant. You was well pleased to the point that it saturated everything you thought about. And, and watch this. Everything else did not compare to that one well-pleased meal. Jesus understood that he was well-pleased. Well-pleased. Well, please, this is my beloved son. So therefore, the opinions, so when he was really asking, hey, who does everybody say? He wasn't asking because he's like, hey, you know, how, how do they feel about me? See, we get so guilty about that. Hey, hey how does so-and-so feel about me? We get one of the best pieces of advice I heard somebody tell me was, hey, Lindsay, other people's opinions of you don't matter. It's none of your business. I'm like, what? I'm going to say that to y'all. Other people's opinions of you is none of your business. It's none of your business. Somebody say, it's none of my business. You know why? I, I, I used to quote this in college. I used to say, you know, hey, if, if they can't help me financially, if they don't pay the bills, if they don't put food in the fridge, they don't matter. And mom would be like, uh, uh, you know, let, let's, let's craft that a little bit better. But watch this. If they cannot keep your soul from going to heaven or hell, their opinion doesn't matter. 
Jesus even said this. He said, we fear the wrong ones. We fear the, we, we reverence and we worship and we idolize and we prioritize the wrong one. We should be idolizing. We should be prioritizing the one that can send your soul to hell. Not the one that could start a rumor. Not the one that could talk bad about you on social media. Not the one that could, you know, the one that remembers who you used to be. No, Jesus, when he asked them this, Ultimately, Jesus knew his worth. He knew that he was the beloved of God. He still is the beloved of God. You and I were called the beloved of God. Remember, we said this beloved of God literally means that the way God loves Jesus, the way the father loves the son, the same way he loves you. Same way he loves you. Nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing different. Amen. But for some reason, that's never enough for us. Watch this. Jesus asked him, what what do others say about me? He did this. He asked him this to spark a journey that would bring about a revolution. That would spark about, uh, that bring about a revelation that showed the disciples that Jesus is vastly different than who the world says he is. He asked them this question in order to, to create a journey that would spark about a revelation that will show them that he is vastly different than who the world says he is. See, there's some teachers that, that are able to get you to recite lessons and to memorize definitions and, and, and memorize books, but true teachers lead their students to a point of discovery. True teachers lead to a point of discovery. That's a bar. That's a bar. Let that, because I'm going to prove it to you. We, we all can remember all of our teachers in every grade and every school, but you remember those one teachers that stuck out for the good that, 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 really, that really taught you something. They really showed you how to do, how to, how to form thoughts the way that you think now or showed you how to do certain things the way you do now. True teachers, true teachers, somebody say true teachers. True teachers lead their students to a point of discovery. And that's what Jesus was doing. He understood his, his, his followers, they knew the law. It wasn't about memorizing law. It was, hey, let me get you to a point of discovery to where that revelation can unlock within you. And a lot of times, that's what the Lord wants to do with us. He wants to get you to a point of discovery. It's not so much about memorizing scriptures. It's not so much about memorizing where this is and this part of the book or the, or the history of this. That's great, and that's all fine and dandy. But at the end of the day, it's about a point of discovery to where things can unlock within you, to where the light bulbs turn on. Amen? Amen. Jesus is vastly different than who the world says he is. And Peter wasn't just giving Jesus lip service by saying the right answer. Peter wasn't just giving Jesus lip service. The Bible says that Peter said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God, the Christ. I love it because he said, he didn't say you are a Messiah. He said, you are the Messiah. We've talked about it before, but if you ever watch NFL, I'm not an Ohio State fan. Couldn't, couldn't, you know, yeah, I, I couldn't tell you their coach, couldn't tell you a single player, but I love it when I watch Monday Night Football or any type of football and they go through the lineup and, you know, you know, you know, Frederick Jones, you know, da-da-da University, you know, Lindsey Melton, you know, uh, MTSU, Kellen Melton, the Ohio State University. It may, when they say the, it makes you stand up a little bit. Oh, shoot. Don't know much about it, but he from, hey, that's, that's a bad man. Yeah, <laughs> number, number 48, that's a bad man. Number 22, the warehouse, ooh, Keenan, that's a bad mother. Shut your mouth, you know. When they put that word the, oh, it makes it official. And Peter said, he's not a Christ. He's not a son. Of, he's the son of God, son of the living God, the Messiah. And Peter wasn't just giving him lip service when he said that. 
Why? Because if you look in the next verse, verse 17, we didn't read it, don't have to turn there, but Jesus said, you not, he said, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. My father in heaven told you this. That's the type of, oh, I'm getting excited about this. We, we can forget the notes. Listen, God, uh, that's the way, that's the type of relationship God desires with us to where he can reveal things to you. We never see that Peter paid to get the revelation. We never see that Peter fasted when Jesus is like, who do you say? Oh, give me 40 days. I'll be right back. Give me 21 days. I'll be right back. Oh, oh, oh let me, let me, 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 Jira, you are enough. Nothing wrong with those things. But the, it is wrong if we, if we lump all that into a formula in order to get God to reveal stuff to us. See, we should sing to God because we love him, and that's just one of the languages that we want to tell him we love him in. Lord, I love you so much, I'm going to sing to you. Lord, I love you so much, I'm going to dig into the word to find out more about you. Versus, oh, I, I, I need a new car. Let me, let me get into the word. Oh, we need more money. Let me sing, let me sing. Let me volunteer this Sunday. Let me, do, do, let me do this, let me do that. And we're just trying to give to get. If we're just trying to serve to get. If we're just trying to Jimmy rig the coat machine that we think God is when he's not that. But the Bible says that Jesus said, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my God in heaven, my Father in heaven has supernaturally revealed this to you. That's the type of relationship God wants to have in your life, where he can supernaturally reveal things to you. And it, the scripture never says that the heavens opened and the angels begin to say, Peter, this is the Father. And what he has to say, do, 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 Peter, I go all day. It didn't say that. It didn't say that happened. You know what it kind of, you know what it looked like? It looked like me yesterday morning driving in the cold pouring rain. Cold pouring rain. Driving in the cold pouring rain and just that whisper of, hey Lindsay, this isn't me. Oh God. It's not you. Your your word says duh, duh, duh. it looks like those 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 faint whispers. Why? Because God, like we said last week, God is a God where He wants you to lean into Him. You know, if the boys or, or, or Celeste or M came up to you and they started whispering to you, what are you going to do? You're going you're gonna to lean so you can hear them. Why, are we, why is our hearts not living in a posture of leaning into God? Why is our hearts not living into a posture where we lean into God? Amen? Amen. But Peter wasn't just giving lip, Jesus lip service by saying the right answer. No, Peter was convinced and he believed in his heart that Jesus was the Messiah. Amen? He didn't just say it, but he believed in his heart. It sounds familiar. Why? Because you don't, you don't need to just confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Messiah, but the Bible says that you have to believe it in your heart. We know this very true. Book of Ephesians chapter 2, confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, and you will be what? Saved. So we have to, we, so therefore, there's two ingredients to the, component, to, the, to the equation. One, we have to confess with our heart, but also we have to believe right here. Which means, which means that we, there is an opportunity to where you can just say things but not believe them. You know, we, we've all been guilty of that. Every, every human being has been guilty of where we just say things but we don't believe it in our, in our heart. You know, something may be funny. Oh, that's funny. But in our heart, we're like, that's not funny. <laughs> or, or better yet, you get around so-and-so's kid. You get around somebody's kid that, you, you know, they just, they just a bad kid. Just got bad behavior. Just, ah, you don't want to watch him. Oh, it's, look, look at little Tommy. Oh, he's just so beautiful in your heart. You're like, man, ain't nothing. 
don't you leave him with me. Don't you leave him. Yeah, leave him with me. I'm a teacher when my grandmama taught me, you know. <laughs> leave him with me. <laughs> you know, we, so that we all have the opportunity where we say things, but in our heart it's something different. And when it comes to this, Peter wasn't just saying and believing something different. He was saying what he believed right here. What came out of here was an echo from what the posture was right here. When it comes to serving Jesus, what comes out of here has got to reflect what we believe here, amen? If, we, if we're going to sing that he's Jaira, you are enough, then guess what, church? We got to believe it. And I'm speaking to myself because there are times where I'm like, Lord, are you enough? Because here, here, here's what I still need. Here's what my family needs. Here's all these different things that are piling up. But if I'm going to sing Jaira, I got to believe he's Jaira. I got to believe he's the God that can provide. Better yet, let me scratch it. I got to believe that he's the God that will provide. Amen. Amen. There's a difference between can and will. Can you do something? Will you do something? I had to believe that he's the God that will provide. Amen. Amen. So, <clears throat> so like I said, Jesus wanted them to see that who the world says that he is is vastly different from who he actually is. Amen. Amen. So too many people, we say that Jesus, you know, when we live in the world, not when we live in the world, but when Jesus was asking, who does the world say I am? Understand this. We live in a society. We live in a community. We live in a world where people say this is their opinion about God. They say that Jesus wasn't ever real. We live in a world where people say that God is asleep, where Jesus was just a good teacher. He was just a good rabbi. We live in a world where Jesus, uh, where people believe that Jesus is just a good story to believe in when you're grieving. You can Google these, but we live in a world where people believe that Jesus is someone who is distant from his people and forgets what real suffering is like. But let me remind you, I promise, we, 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 I won't be before you very long, but let me remind you that in the words of John P. Key, Jesus is real. Look at somebody beside you say, he is real. Jesus is real. God is not asleep. Jesus was more than just a good rabbi. He is, I, lo I love this, not just because it's my mother-in-law's name, but I love this phrase. He is the rose of Sharon, amen? He is the bright and morning star. He is the, y'all know I love this one too, but he is the fourth man in the fire. He is the author and finisher of our faith. He is the one that goes before us, that goes behind us. What was it? Two months ago, the Lord told me, and I said this, that as Christians, if we're going to follow Jesus, we have to understand that to live like a Christian is like having a lion in front of you, a lion behind you, and a lion on either on both sides of you. Jesus is real. Amen. Like I said, he is the bright and morning star. He is the, he's the, he's the friend that sits closer than a brother. He is the fulfillment of the law. He is the word of God. He is the word made flesh. He is the lamb that was slain before the sins of the world. He is more than enough. We saying to earlier, he's more than enough, forever enough, forever enough. He's forever. You know what forever looks like? Jesus. He is forever, amen? Watch this, how God feels about Jesus. He feels the same way about the person you see in the mirror. How God feels about you, how the Father feels about Jesus. He feels the same way about the person you see in the mirror. And the same question Jesus asked the disciples, he's asking his bride, which is us, who do you say I am? I'll be honest, it was, spoiler alert, it's not like when Peter told Jesus, or it's not like when the disciples told Jesus, well, they say that you're, it, that you're Elijah reincarnated. You're all these. Jesus wasn't like, oh, what? I didn't know that. Wow. 
How sway? He no. <laughs> he knew. But he wasn't interested in what everybody he was it was it was a ploy. It was a it was a journey that he was starting to get them to see, hey, this is what this is what everybody says I am, but let me show you who I really am. And I can't just show you who I really am. I got to get you to get there. So who do you say I am? Well, you're in the Messiah. You didn't come to that on your own. You know who revealed it to you? My father. Whoa, that's what that was. That's what his voice sounds like. Wow. Yes, that's what his voice sounds like. That's, that was the whole catch right there. That's, that's what, that was the whole premise. That's what Jesus was trying to do to get them to see, hey, one, I need you to see who I really am. Two, I want you to be able to recognize what the voice of God sounds like. Peter, I mean, we, we, you know, if you can look in between the verses, you know, if you can read in between the lines, I never like to read them between the lines, but if you can read in between the verses and see what's not written there, Peter, like, oh, that's what, it, if you didn't tell me and you're saying that God told me, that, that, that's what his voice sounds like. That's what his voice, that, that faint whisper. That small impulse of truth, that, that's what it's like, amen? amen? But Jesus is asking us the same question. Who do we say that he is? Who do we say that Jesus is, amen? amen. So let me, who, who do we really believe that he is? Who do we really believe that he really is? You know, not just who do we say that he is, but who in here, who right here, who do you believe that Jesus truly is? See, in times of trouble and chaos and calamity, if we're not careful, we will default to our carnal programming. Somebody say carnal programming. Carnal programming, a.k.a. flesh. If we're not careful in times of trouble, in times of stress, in times of anger, in times of calamity, in times of trials and tribulation, I mean, we keep going down the list when the car breaks down, when the bills add up, when the money ain't there, when the cousin that you don't want to see comes back over, when it's time to family reunion, you got to see uncle so-and-so, blah, blah, blah. We have to be careful that we don't default to our carnal programming, to the way we used to respond before the cross, before we came to the cross. We have to be careful that we don't respond and we don't, we, don't, uh, we don't lash out the way we used to before we came to the cross. Amen? Amen. See, that carnal program, it doesn't, see as, it doesn't see God as your provider. Your carnal programming, your, your flesh, it doesn't see God as your provider. It doesn't believe that you are, or, uh, you know, like I said, it doesn't see God as your provider. It believes that you are an island and nobody else is around you. It believes your insecurities. It believes, it believes your craziest thoughts that you have as truth. It takes your craziest thoughts and considers them as truth. I'm going to say that again. I'm going to say that again. Your carnal programming, it takes your craziest thoughts and grabs hold of them firmly and considers those as truth. Amen. Watch this, your carnal programming, it believes the lies on the news. It puts hope and faith in political leaders as if they can do what God does. Your carnal programming doubles down on tradition, and it doubles down on this is the way we've always done it. Your carnal programming sides with the world that is obscure, anxious, depressed, unbelieving, uh, self-reliant, and self-destructing. That's what your carnal programming do. But guess what? Guess what? You've been born again. Somebody say, I've been born again. You've been born again. You know what that means? Oh, you don't know what that means. 
you know, I'm pretty sure you do know what that means. But just for fun, I'm going to remind you what that means. Because you've been born again, because you've accepted what he did at the cross, because you've been washed in the blood of the lamb, because you've taken a bite of the bread of life, and because you've taken a drink of the living water, then you thirst no more. Here's what that truly means. Because you've been born again, you have a new nature. New nature. Somebody say new nature. You have a new nature. You got a new name. A new name. You have a new identity. You have a new identity. That means that what you used to respond to, you don't have to respond to that anymore. That, mean, that, that, that means that what you used to answer to, you don't have to pick up those phone calls and answer those anymore. Amen? We, you, know, you ever had those warranty calls, those scam calls? And you're like, hey, you know, just want to talk to you about your warranty. We're like, ah, you hang up. I work with this one coworker. He loves those calls. He loves those calls. He, he loves to pick them up and they'll, they'll you know, hey, sir, you know, I want to talk to you about your warranty. Okay, well, let's talk. And he'll just talk to him, let him go on and on. My uncle loves to do this. Uncle D loves to do this. He'll let him go on and on. He's like, I ain't got nothing to do. I'm going to waste their time. And he'll just go and ask them, da da da, and all these different things. And just, and just have, and about 20 minutes into it, they'll realize that this ain't working and they'll hang up. And he is, and he is, and uncle is satisfied. My coworker, he's satisfied when he does this. Why? Because he knows who he is. He knows that if I'm going to answer this, it's because I choose to. But at the end of the day, whatever they think, whoever they think I am, I'm not that. See, you've been born again. That means that you have that new name, that new nature, that new identity, what you used to respond to. Guess what? You don't have to respond to anymore. You don't have to answer those calls anymore. Amen. You're not a slave to your old environment. You're, being born again means that you're not the sum total of your mistakes. Oh, I love that one. That's, that's me right there. You're not the sum total of your mistakes. Am I talking to somebody this morning? That means that you are not the sum total of the mistakes. You're not the truth of your triggers. You're not broke, busted, and disgusted. You are a son of the most high. You are a daughter of the most living high. What you used to seek and what you used to desire in family, Jesus can provide that. Amen. Jesus provides what we seek and desire in family. Jesus provides what we seek and desire in communion. He provides us with that perichoresis fellowship. He provides us, he puts us back into union with the Father, Son, and Spirit. He, he reminds us that we are the beloved of God. That the same way the Father loves the, the Son, he, uh, the Father loves us as well. What we seek in food, what we desire in food, Jesus provides that as him being the bread of life. And be in the living water that once you take a drink of him, you will never thirst again. David said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is what? Good. What you seek in contentment and happiness. Jesus gives us so much joy, so much joy that Paul and Silas, even though they were beaten and thrown in jail. I read the story to the, to the boys of the night. Even though they were beaten and thrown in jail. And you should have heard their commentary, their commentary when we got to the part. They were beaten. Oh, they were beaten. Oh, that's the bad, bad guys. Why would they beat them up? Mm, oh, it just makes me so mad. I said, so I played along with I said, I know, man, look. They were hurt. They were hurt so bad. Oh. I said, but watch this. And we get to the page where it says, and they begin to sing in a strange place. I was like, look, they're singing. What are they singing? They're singing praises to God. Why are they singing praises to God? Why? Because when you have that new nature, you're not bound by your surroundings. 
You understand that, hey, my surroundings don't reflect what the truth is. And the truth is I am a son of the most high. I am redeemed. I am the head and not the tail. I am healed. Even if I have to go through the storms, even if the car don't start, even if there's not enough money, even if the, even if a sickness comes, even if people come and go, if, even if people, even if rumors rise or everybody's clapping you up, at the end of the day, the truth remains. The truth remains. And the truth is Jesus. Jesus is who do you say I am? Who do you believe that I truly am? Not who the world says, not who your friends say, not what your past says, not what the bank account reflects, not what the, not what the news cycle says. Who do we believe he is, church? Do we believe that he is the one that we sing about? Or do we just sing, but in our hearts we're, we're in a different posture? Do we, do we sing about how he's worthy of it all, but in our hearts we're like, Lord, you know, if you can't help me, then I'm going to have to make a way on my own. Do we sing about how we exalt him, but come once we leave the building, we don't mention his name anymore until trouble arises? Mm. Is he who we truly sing about, or is it just lip service? Is it just lip service? And I'll be honest, John chapter 4, verses 19 through 23, Jesus and the Father, they're not looking for those that give lip service. The Bible says that the Father searches for those that can worship him in spirit and in truth. I love that word truth. My, my, my old mentor used to say it best this way when he says that the Bible is looking for the, God's looking for those that worship him in spirit and truth. To worship him in spirit and truth means that you can worship him in any state. What that mean? I'm not talking about like Michigan, Montana. No, no, no. When I mean any state, I mean any state of your heart, whether it's a great day. Oh, Lord, I give you praise. Or whether you got no money in the account. Oh, Lord, I still worship you. Whenever, when you are 100% healthy, Lord, you are so good. Jira, you are enough. Or where the doctor gives you a bad report. Jira, you're still enough. That's what God looks for. He's looking for people that can push past what this reality is it's throwing in your face. He's looking for folks that can push past all the insecurities, all the drama, all the ups and downs, all the unideals, all the ideology, all the triggers, all the just everything. And say, Lord, I know, I believe that you are the Messiah. I believe that you are my defender. I believe that you are my provider. I believe that you are the one that sits closer than a brother. I believe that you will never leave me or forsake me. I believe that your surely your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I believe that tomorrow when I wake up, it's new mercies and new grace. I believe the next day it's going to be new mercies and new grace. I believe the next year it's going to be new mercies, new grace. I believe every day I wake up, it's a new 24. Why? Because your goodness is following me all the days of my life. Doesn't matter what everybody else says. Doesn't matter what the bank account reflects. Doesn't matter what high school people say. Doesn't matter what your coworkers say. Doesn't matter what the family that doesn't understand you say. At the end of the day, what do you believe? Who do you believe I am? Jesus was trying to get them in a habit of realizing everybody in your life is not going to agree with the reality of the gospel. The reality of the gospel, which is you have been bought back. You have been redeemed restored at the right time, <laughs> the right time you were saved. Well, Lindsay, don't feel like that when I'm going through stuff. Yeah, don't feel like it. Jesus didn't say, hey, 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 guys, who do you feel like I am? Ah. Oh, we can all answer that. 
He said, who do you know that I am? See, there's a difference between feeling something and knowing something. You know, if you've been driving, if you've been driving 10 plus years, you know, you can shift, you can, uh, better yet, I remember when I was a kid, when I was a kid, my best friend, Steven, his mom, she used to drive that gray Saturn. I don't know if you remember, it was a stitch shift. And uh, we, we went to, uh, we went to one of those sleepovers at the Methodist church. And I never forget it because, you know, the next morning, nobody told me this, that they would have told me, it wouldn't have gone, just letting you know. But we, uh, you know, they said it's a sleepover. You stay up all night. I crashed in the gym, or I crashed in the choir room. I, I it was like three in the morning. I'm out. <sighs> Two hours later, waking me up. Hey, we gotta go. But we, we, you know, you waking me up in the hurry. Say we gotta go. My fight or flight kicked in. Even back then, I had it. I'm like, you know, I'm loaded up my sleep bag. Where we gotta go? What's going on? I'm fist up. He's like, what are you doing? I said, well, well, I'm ready. He's like, no, no, we're going to sunrise service. I said, we're going what? We're going to a service. You woke me up. So we go to a service. We in the church. Why we gotta go to service? <laughs> Why couldn't we do that last night? He said, no, it's a sunrise service. It's over at the lake. I said, Beach Lake? So here we are all, and they, they divided us up, the boys and the girls. So here we are. You can just imagine all these, you know, middle uh, middle schoolers just lined up along the shore, you know, as you know, the youth pastor, but I got res- I got respect for him now. Back then I didn't as a kid, I'm like. So he's going through this devotion, and here I am, hands in pocket, hood on my head, just, <sighs> I ain't never come back to this church again. Wake me up, feed me pizza, got me playing games, and crap. They didn't nobody tell me it was gonna be. If I knew it was gonna be a sunrise service, and I was already, I would have went to bed at a proper time, so I can respect the Lord. In that moment, I wasn't feeling like respecting the Lord. They're like, does anybody have anything they want to say? I'm like, Lord, don't let them point to me because I'm gonna let them know. I'm gonna let them know. I want to go home. I want to go home right now. <laughs> I want some food. <laughs> and I remember, I remember as Stephen's mom was driving me back, two things I remember. One, uh, I, I remember when we got to the, when we got back to the house, we lived down there by Big Mama, got to the house, I just went straight to my room, and, and uh, mom was like, you better say bye to Steve. I was like, bye, see you at school. <laughs> and uh, mom's like, mom's like, Stephen, what happened? It's like, I don't think he, I don't think he liked the sunrise service. <laughs> So that Monday on the swings, he's like, hey, so what you think? I said, I didn't like your little sunrise service, all right? <laughs> I ain't coming back. The second thing I remember, second thing I remember was Stephen's mom, she drove, uh, she drove a, a gray Saturn, and it was a stitch shift. And, man, I ain't never seen somebody go through a stitch shift. Like, she, like she wasn't even looking at it, just <laughs> drinking, co- drinking coffee. Just <laughs> I'm like, whoa. When I be able to drive, I won't be able to drive just like that. She, she hadn't been driving, you know, a couple days or a couple months. She, she had the experience to where she knew every gear and how to get to it and how to balance everything else she had going on. There's a difference between, you know, when uh, there's a difference between feeling something and, know, and, and truly knowing something. She wasn't just, ah, I think this is first. I think that. No, she knew, knew without a shadow of doubt. Eyes closed, sipping coffee, trying to get her son and his ungrateful best friend back home. There's a difference between your feel, when you're feeling God and you know, and you know without a shadow of a doubt, he is who he said he is. When you know that he's going to make a way, even if it is most uncomfortable, even when everything is tighter than tight, church, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt. Amen? Amen. He brains about contentment in a way that his presence will trump every other voice and presence in your life the more you spend time with him. Jesus brains contentment. Somebody say contentment. He brings contentment in your life in a way that his presence, somebody say presence. His presence will trump every voice, every insecurity, 
every mistake, every rumor, the more you spend time with him. That's, that's, that's the thing. It's not like a coat machine where if you want this, you push it, and boom, there it is. No, no, no. Jesus is like, hey, I know what you need, but let's go on a journey together. Let's go on a journey. I mean, let's be honest. If you wanted to, Jesus could have just came down as a full grown, full grown adult, went to the cross, boom, 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 blood cover, we're all good. No, it's about a journey. Let me live the same life you live. Let me walk through this journey that we walk through every day. So I can show you how to walk it in every stage. In, well, better yet, in every age. Mm. In every age, let me show you how to walk it. In every stage, let me show you how to walk it. In every scenario, in every emotion, in every high, in every low, let me show you how to walk this life. What, you, what we seek in peace, his peace in your life at one command will silence the storms and raging seas. It will silence the tidal waves and it will silence the rip currents of your insecurities, of your mistakes, of your rumors, of your drama, of your past, of the, of the things that we have locked and buried that we don't want people to know about. One command, his peace silences all that. It silences all that. What we seek in purpose, he commissions you to go into every corner, every nook and cranny, every holler, every street, Every grocery aisle, every gas station pump, every restaurant booth, every hallway, every school gymnasium, every antique shop, every movie theater, every, as we said it last week, but the, the everywhere clause. You know what the everywhere clause is? It means that everywhere you go, you're making disciples. Everywhere you go, you're inviting people into your life and say, hey, follow me as I follow Christ. Everywhere you go. You're trying to find a way to insert the Lord, insert his goodness, insert his peace, insert his faithfulness. And as dark as the world becomes the more darker and darker, it's the perfect, it's the perfect alley-oop for us to say, hey, I know you read in the paper that recession is coming. Guess what? Let me tell you about, let me tell you about the economy of heaven. Let me tell you about the stability of Jesus. Let me tell you about the, the faithfulness of God, how faithful he is to his people. Let me, let me show you. In fact, there was a time in my life, I'm not saying I have it all together, but I remember one instant. And you begin to tell him about a time where he brought you out when you did not deserve it. And you didn't think he was going to come through and still he came through. And you say, look at me now. Do I have it all together? No, but I'm definitely not in that season that I was anymore. If we, if we wanted to, we can all take a Sharpie, and, I, and I'll close with this. We can all take a Sharpie and fill the walls with stories of how we did not think we was going to make it, but still he brought us out. Amen. But here's the problem. When it, comes time to, when it comes time to trust Jesus again, we don't remind ourselves of that. When we should be reminded, oh, you know what, God? In the words of Dr. you did it before, so guess what? You can do it again. And God is so good and so smart and so awesome that he's not just going to do it the same way, but he's going to do it in a different way. Why? To show you that he's just that good. Amen. It's not enough for my boy Steph Curry. I prophesy that because one day we'll be boys. Hallelujah. 
It's not enough for my boy just to shoot a three-point from the three-point line. No. Brother's got to shoot it from half court. Why? Because he's just that good. Not good enough for him to just shoot it half court. He's got to shoot it from the locker room. Why? Because he's just that good. It's not good enough. It's not enough for God to deliver you this way. He's going to do it a whole different way. Why? Because he's just that good. It's not good enough for him to give you new mercies, new grace. He's going to do it for the rest of your life. Goodness and mercy follow you for the rest of your life. Why? Because he's just that good. Do you see him as a just that good God? Do you see him that way, church? Or do you see him as a Sunday morning, 10 to 11.30, maybe 12 if the Spirit's moving? Or do you see him as a Wednesday night, 6 o'clock to 6.30 prayer time? Or do you see him as all hell is broke loose? God, where are you? He's more than that. And our problem is we're like, God, why aren't we growing? Because we're not seeing him in the right light. We're going to be honest. Lindsay, why am I not growing? Because I'm not seeing him in the right light. I'm only, I'm, I've, I've seen him in this small box when he is so much more. When he's so much more. So much more. There's never been one thing. There's never been one single thing that God has created for one single purpose. Everything that God has made serves multi-purposes. Serves multi-purposes. So why would we not allow that or, or attach that same perspective or that same filter to God? Be like, okay, God, you're not just a one-trip pony. You are God. You are the creator. You are the Messiah, Jesus. If you did it this way, I know that you'll, you can do it another way. But if you did it, I know you'll do it again. If you've delivered, I know you'll deliver again. If you've healed, I know you'll heal again. If you've broken the cycle off my life once, I know you can break it again. If you can use me to break cycles off one person, I know you can do it again with somebody else. Why? Because you're just that good. Who do we say he is? Better yet, let me stop saying that. Who do we believe he is? Who do we believe right here? Who do we believe right here? Who do you believe right here? Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And Jesus said, Peter, no flesh and blood has revealed this to you. Only my Father in heaven. Only my Father in heaven. And then Jesus proceeds to say that this, your name, Simon, shall be named Peter. For upon you I will build my church. Upon you I will build my church. What's he going to build his church upon? He's going to build his church upon the fact of us receiving revelation from God on how to see Jesus. And when we see him right, see, I, I say this to the boys because <coughs> as kids, they trip over everything, whether it's there or not there. Have you ever been around them? If you, those that work in, in preschools, daycares, schools, all that, or around little kids, they trip over everything. And they trip over nothing. That's, it's, it's the weirdest thing. I don't get it. Nothing be there and just bloop, bloop. Some toys be there, bloop, bloop, bloop. Tripping, just constantly tripping. <laughs> Their center of gravity is just, it is. And like, I always, say, I always say, that's why you have to look where you're going. That's why you have to look where you're going. That's why you got to look where you're going. That's why, because if you, wherever you see, if you can see the path that you're going, you know which way to walk. If you're looking at Jesus, you know how to live. If you're looking at Jesus, you know how to talk. 
if you're, watch this, if you're looking at Jesus, you know how to respond to people that are accusing you. If you're looking at Jesus, if you're gazing at him, you know how to respond to when things don't look like they should be looking. If, you, if, you, if you're gazing at Jesus, you know how to respond to life when you are the only one. When you're, looking, when you're gazing at Jesus, you know that you're the beloved of God. When you're gazing at Jesus, you know that your worth is not dependent on what he says, what she says, what they say, what your boss says, what the credit score says, what your coworkers say. What the what the what the uh, the people you went to school with that you may run into? It doesn't matter what they say. When you're gazing at Jesus, you know your worth is Him calling you beloved. He is your worth. He is the definition of your worth. He is the definition of your value. He is your purpose. Well, Lindsay, I thought my purpose. Da, 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 I don't know what your purpose is. But if you're gazing at Jesus, I promise, guess what? He's not just going to come out flat out saying, your purpose is ding, 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 ding. It's going to be, hey, let me take my hand. Let me show you what your purpose is. Take my hand. Step out of the boat. Let me show you who I am. Peter said, Lord, if that's you, then call me out. To, okay. You, you, you speak in my language. It's called the language of journeying. Let me, come on, let's discover who I really am. Let me show you. Take my hand. Discover. God is the God of discovering. He wants you to discover more and more. To, to seek him. That's, you know, that's literally what seeking means. Discover. Investigate. Search. David said this. God, search my heart and see if there's any way, if there's any wicked within there. If it is, then totally wipe it out. God loves to search us. The Bible says that he searches our hearts. But also, he wants that in turn. He wants you to search his heart. Not because he's got some wickedness in there. He wants you to search his heart because guess what? Everything you need, and I promise I'll end with this. This was the whole crux of all of this. Everything you desire, everything we truly desire as man, men and women of God, it traces back to one thing. And it's not really a thing. It's a person. And his name is Jesus. If you desire peace, guess what? It traces back to Jesus because he gives peace that is unspeakable. Peace that surpasses understanding. Peace that you can't even explain it, but you just sense him in the midst of all hell. If you're seeking joy and unspeakable joy, guess what? He gives that to the point that you could be in the midst of jail and you can sing praises to God. If you're seeking contentment, if you're seeking purpose, he will remind you of who you truly are, who he says you are. He will remind you that you are the beloved of God. If you are seeking community, he will, he will remind you that, guess what? You are surrounded by the great cloud of witnesses. You know the great cloud of witnesses? Those that came before you that trusted God. And what are they doing in heaven? Not only are they worshiping, not only are they singing, not only are they praising, but they are keeping in lockstep, in track with you, cheering you on, as Hebrews chapter 12 says. What you seek in this life, it's found in Jesus. It's found in Jesus. It's found in Jesus. Not like a button to a Coke machine, but like a hand taken upon his hand and walking alongside with him. Who do you know that he is? Who do you believe that he is? Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Lord, thank you so much for today.